Section two of De Vulgari Eloquentia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. De Vulgari Eloquentia by Dante Alighieri. Translated by Philip H. Wicksteed. Book one, chapters five to eight. Chapter five. Thinking then not without reason drawn as well from the foregoing considerations as from those which follow, that the first man directed his speech first of all to the Lord himself, we may reasonably say that this first speaker at once, after having been inspired by the vivifying power, spoke without hesitation. For in man we believe it to be more characteristic of humanity to be heard than to hear, provided he be heard and here as a man if therefore that workman and origin and lover of perfection by his breath made the first of us complete in all perfection it appears to us reasonable that this most noble of animals did not begin to hear before he began to be heard but if any one raises the objection that there was no need for him to speak as he was so far the only human being whilst god discerns all our secret thoughts without any words of ours even before we do ourselves we say with that reverence which we ought to use in judging anything respecting the eternal will that though god knew nay even foreknew which is the same thing in respect of god the thought of the first man who spoke without any words being said Still, he wished that the man should also speak, in order that, in the unfolding of so great a gift, he himself, who had freely bestowed it, might glory. And therefore it is to be believed that it is by God's appointment that we rejoice in the well-ordered play of our emotions. Hence also we can fully determine the place where our first speech was uttered. For if man was inspired with life outside paradise, he first spoke outside but if within we have proved that the place of his first speech was within chapter six since human affairs are carried on in very many different languages so that many men are not understood by many with words any better than without words it is meet for us to make investigation concerning that language which that man who had no mother who was never suckled who never saw either childhood or youth is believed to have spoken in this as in much else pietramala is a most populous city and the native place of the majority of the children of adam for whoever is so offensively unreasonable as to suppose that the place of his birth is the most delightful under the sun also rates his own vernacular that is his mother tongue above all others and consequently believes that it actually was that of adam but we, to whom the world is our native country, just as the sea is to the fish, though we drank of Arno before our teeth appeared, and though we love Florence so dearly that for the love we bore her we are wrongly suffering exile, we rest the shoulders of our judgment on reason rather than on feeling. And although as regards our own pleasure or sensuous comfort there exists no more agreeable place in the world than Florence, still, when we turn over the volumes both of poets and other writers in which the world is generally and particularly described 
and take account within ourselves of the various situations of the places of the world and their arrangement with respect to the two poles and to the equator our deliberate and firm opinion is that there are many countries and cities both nobler and more delightful than tuscany and florence of which we are a native and a citizen and also that the great many nations and races use a speech both more agreeable and more serviceable than the italians do returning therefore to our subject we say that a certain form of speech was created by god together with the first soul and i say a form both in respect of words and their construction and of the utterance of this construction and this form every tongue of speaking men would use if it had not been dissipated by the fold of man's presumption as shall be shown further on in this form of speech adam spoke in this form of speech all his descendants spoke until the building of the tower of babel which is by interpretation the tower of confusion and this form of speech was inherited by the sons of heber who after him were called hebrews with them alone did it remain after the confusion in order that our redeemer who was as to his humanity to spring from them might use not the language of confusion but of grace therefore hebrew was the language which the lips of the first speaker formed chapter seven it is alas with feelings of shame that we now recall the ignominy of the human race but since it is impossible for us to avoid passing through it we will hasten through it though the blush of shame rises to our cheeks and our mind recoils o oh, thou our human nature ever prone to sin o thou full of iniquity from the first and ever afterwards without cessation did it suffice for thy correction that deprived of light through thy first transgression thou wast banished from thy delightful native land did it suffice did it suffice that through the universal lust and cruelty of thy family one house alone excepted whatsoever was subject to thee had perished in the flood and that the animals of earth and air had already been punished for what thou hadst committed certainly this should have been enough but as men are wont to say in the proverb thou shalt not ride on horseback before the third time thou wretched one didst choose rather to come to a wretched steed see reader how man either forgetting or despising his former discipline and turning aside his eyes from the marks of the stripes which had remained for the third time provoked the lash by his stupid and presumptuous pride for incorrigible man persuaded by the giant presumed in his heart to surpass by his own skill not only nature but even the very power that works in nature who is god and he began to build a tower in senear which was afterwards called babel that is confusion by which he hoped to ascend to heaven purposing in his ignorance not to equal but to surpass his maker o boundless clemency of the heavenly power who among fathers would bear so many insults from a son but he arose and with a scourge which was not hostile but paternal and had been wont at other times to smite he chastised his rebellious son with correction at once merciful and memorable for almost the whole human race had come together to the work of wickedness some were giving orders some were acting as architects some were building the walls 
some were adjusting the masonry with rules, some were laying on the mortar with trowels, some were quarrying stone, some were engaged in bringing it by sea, some by land, and different companies were engaged in different other occupations, when they were struck by such confusion from heaven, that all those who were attending to the work, using one and the same language, left off the work on being estranged by many different languages, and never again came together in the same intercourse. For the same language remained to those alone who were engaged together in the same kind of work. For instance, one language remained to all the architects, another to those rolling down blocks of stone, another to those preparing the stone, and so it happened to each group of workers. And the human race was accordingly then divided into as many different languages as there were different branches of the work. And the higher the branch of work the men were engaged in, the ruder and more barbarous was the language they afterwards spoke. But those to whom the hallowed language remained were neither present nor countenanced the work, but utterly hating it, they mocked the folly of those engaged in it. But these, a small minority, were of the seed of Shem, as I conjecture, who was the third son of Noah, and from them sprang the people of Israel, who made use of the most ancient language until their dispersion. CHAPTER Eight. On account of the confusion of tongues related above, we have no slight reason for thinking that men were at that time first scattered through all the climes of the world and the habitable regions and corners of those climes. And as the original root of the human race was planted in the regions of the east, and our race also spread out from there on both sides by a manifold diffusion of shoots, and finally reached the boundaries of the west, it was then perhaps that rational throats first drank of the rivers of the whole of Europe, or at least of some of them. But whether these men then first arrived as strangers, or whether they came back to Europe as natives, they brought a threefold language with them, and of those who brought it, some allotted to themselves the southern, others the northern part of Europe, while the third body, whom we now call Greeks, seized partly on Europe and partly on Asia. Afterwards, from one and the same idiom, received at the avenging confusion, various vernaculars drew their origin, as we shall show farther on. For one idiom alone prevailed in all the country which from the mouths of the Danube, or marshes of Meotis, to the western boundary of England, is bounded by the frontiers of Italy and France, and by the ocean, though afterwards through the Sclavonians, Hungarians, Teutons, Saxons, English, and many other nations, it was drawn off into various vernaculars, this alone remaining to almost all of them as a sign of their common origin, that nearly all the above named answer in affirmation Io. Starting from this idiom, that is to say, eastward from the Hungarian frontier, another language prevailed over all the territory in that direction comprised in Europe, and even extended beyond but a third idiom prevailed in all that part of Europe which remains from the other two, though it now appears in a threefold form. For of those who speak it, some say in affirmation, Ok, others, Oil, and others, Si, namely, the Spaniards, the French, and the Italians. Now the proof that the vernaculars of these nations proceed from one and the same idiom is obvious, because we see that they call many things by the same names, as Deum, Shilum, Amorem, 
mare terram vivit moritur amat and almost all other things now those of them who say ok inhabit the western part of the south of europe beginning from the frontier of the genoese while those who say si inhabit the country east of the said frontier namely that which extends as far as that promontory of italy where the gulf of the adriatic sea begins and sicily but those who say oil lie in some sort to the north of these last for they have the germans on their east and north on the west they are enclosed by the english sea and bounded by the mountains of aragon they are also shut off on the south by the inhabitants of provence and the precipices of the apennines End of section 2